Hey, welcome to Story on the Spot. We will be right back to introduce these guys after these messages. All right, welcome back to episode 36 of Story on the Spot. How's everybody doing today? You good? Awesome. I'm jittery but better. Where am I? Where am I? What year is it? 2021. And um, yeah. December 38th, 2020. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, right? Uh, 2021 <laughs> is off to a banging start. Uh, also, Bang. uh, we have a question for you, audience. We want to know, do you know who Asher Roth is? Just let us know. Just say no. No, no just Googling. No. Just, just, we just want to know if you know who Ash Roth is. Okay. And, and if you get the answer right, I get a point. So. <laughs> you get the answer right. Kevin will drink a 12-pack of Schlitz on air. Right. Yeah. That works for me. I like that. <laughs> and then we'll make him improv fiction what's, stories. What's a Schlitz? <laughs> All right. That was Patsy Klein's era. You probably aren't old enough to know. Uh, we'll make it a natty ice, a natty ice. Or natty life. The Badger says hello, uh, everyone. Welcome to the show. Um, last week's winner was Craig, who's not here, so it doesn't even matter. Okay, so it was me then. I was second place. Sure, Nick, you can take. Uh, you can you can pinch hit accept the award on Craig's behalf. So we want to ask you. We say welcome to the show. Uh, if you're watching us live, you can comment. Below what we're going to do is I'm going to show some story prompts and these authors are going to pitch stories based on those prompts. They've never seen the prompts before. And then you viewer will vote after each round by comment below, which one you like. And I also wanted to ask everybody if you could like this video, hit the like on Facebook or thumbs up on YouTube and uh, just let us know that you like what we're doing. Okay. I think that's all of our, oh yeah, our bonus word is canoodle, which is a verb mm. meaning a kissing and a cuddling and that sort of stuff. Okay. All right. All right. Now let's go ahead and actually get ready. Round one, feeling squirrely. Denizens of the New York City's Rigo Park, Rigo Park, I don't know, neighborhoods say an aggressive squirrel has jumped on them and bitten them in the past several weeks. Michelin Smith pointed to a bruise on her wrist where she said the squirrel landed on her and then sank its teeth into her fingers and hand. We're wrestling in the snow and there's blood everywhere and my fingers are getting chewed and I won't let go, Smith said. A photo sh says she took after the attack shows a snowy pathway covered in blood. Okay, who would like to be the first to pitch us a story based on feeling squirrely? What do we think is really going on here? Well, I guess I'll have to go first and tell everybody, go the obvious route before anyone else takes it and say this is a classic case of zombie outbreak. Um, we've got a, uh, a mad scientist who's cooked up this virus that's supposed to create um, zombies, but it, it's just not working on humans the way it's supposed to. And he's watched Walking Dead and and, and World War Z and, and you know, he just really, he, he doesn't really care what kind of zombie he gets. I mean, he'd prefer kind of the, the Max Brooks kind um, because those are terrifying. But, you know, he just wants a zombie and he just can't figure out how to reanimate the dead. So instead of killing, you know, he's got he's got some humanity left in him. So instead of just killing people <clears throat> and, and you know, wasting it, he's 
started dabbling in the smaller mammal varieties. And he has effectively um, now created um, a, a rabbit zombie, a hamster zombie, and he's worked his way up to a squirrel zombie. And for those of you out there who are scientists and say that rabbits are bigger than squirrels, um, you're wrong. So he's actually worked his way up to the squirrels. Um, I'm a squirrelologist. And so he has turned them into um, zombies and he um, has made them basically canoodle in order to, uh, to, uh, to, to share their, their zombiness. And he's slowly turning the world into um, one um, that he's going to be able to make zombies out of people one day. But the problem is because they're squirrels and rabbits and hamsters, and he's turned them into zombies who like to canoodle in order <clears throat> to further their bloodline. Um, he's afraid the world is going to be taken over by squirrels and rabbits and zombie gerbils. Um, so that's where our hero comes in to save the day. He actually has to try to figure out how to kill and exterminate all these things. One, before the world finds out that they're zombies. And two, before they take over the world by chewing off people's fingers. We can't have a lot of fingerless pedestrians out there, you know. How will we use our phones? We wouldn't be able to get anything done. Yeah, and I, I agree. It's smarter to do that before the invasion happens. <laughs> okay. Kevin or R.A.? I can go if uh, if Kevin wants to go last. Sure. All right, Mr. Loked Out, Gangsta Set, Trippin' Banger. And all my homies are down, so don't arouse my anger, fool. All right. Ah, Coolio. So this is what's happening. We're, we're dealing with a very, very – dang, that was close to uh, copyright infringement. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, Nick. Don't send the lawyers after me, bro. Okay, so – we have a a, uh, a scientist, right? A very, very uh, 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 awkward scientist. He is just not really able to get dates. He's not great with the opposite sex. Um, but his <clears throat> field of study is, uh, you know, rodentia and small mammals and things like that. So he finally manages to ask a, a woman uh, that he sees on the street every day, taking the subway. He manages to ask her out. Okay. And, uh, it's the first time he's ever had a date in his whole life. Like his mom helps him tie his tie and everything. You know, it's really, he's just really awkward. Uh, and he goes to the park and he sees this woman and she's canoodling with another man. And so he's just, he's just livid, but he's very, uh, pacifistic and so he can't confront them he can't say anything about it and he doesn't really know what to do all he knows is that his heart was broken and that <clears> since <throat> there are seven billion other people in the world it stands to reason that someone else's heart could get broken if we don't stop the canoodling in the park so he goes home and he works on a serum that transmit uh uh virally through squirrel uh you know, through squirrel like excrement and things like that. And all the animals in the park start to get it. It's kind of like a toxoplasmosis for cats. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's kind of like that, but it's for squirrels and it makes them very aggressive. And then anytime that they see anyone uh, uh, giving each other affection, it's kind of like a trigger for them. It sets them off. And so uh, that's what I think is happening here. Our woman who got bit, Micheline Smith, uh, she didn't tell you that she was walking with her boyfriend in the park. And right when they went in for a kiss is when uh, he jumped on him. So we have a uh, a heartbroken scientist who's turning 
the rodents of Central Park against uh, the denizens of New York. So Sinister. All right, Kevin, let me put the story back up here. And so you can bring us home on our first round. We've, we've had some valiant attempts, but now we've gotten to the whole kit and canoodle. Um, <laughs> so what this is, is a research. You've been sitting on that one for a long time. Ah, actually, just really <laughs> thought of that. So uh, what we have actually is a researcher who wants to study the effects of cellular phone technology, this constant rush of signal that we're surrounded with, on um, the way we think. He's, he has a theory that the, uh, all <clears throat> signals that are being broadcast out into the atmosphere at all times, the day and night, are having an impact on the way we think. And so he wants to study the uh, sort of electromagnetic effect of all this, uh, but to do it, he needs a piece of equipment that would cost him somewhere in the neighborhood of like $4 million. And he doesn't have that. He can't get the grant research money for it. And so what he does is decide, I'm going to build the poor man's version of, of what I need. Uh, and he essentially, you know, gets a what we, what's known in science as a gasometer, uh, which is for reading electromagnetic um, fields. And it's very small. It's very sensitive. But he decides, I'm going to take that, use it as my base. He builds a room uh, that uh, allows him to sort of keep himself isolated from other magnetic influences. And he puts a, uh, cell, a series of cell phones in the room, and he puts himself in the room. He's going to use himself as his own test subject. So he does this. And then we cut to the park. And over the course of weeks, suddenly animals are starting to attack. You know, squirrels are attacking this lady. Dogs turn on their owners. Uh, rabbits and uh, birds and all kinds of animals are starting to kind of zero in on people. And eventually someone discovers that the common link is all these people were using their cell phones at the time they were attacked. So a general warning goes out. We're going to stop everybody from using their cell phones for a while. Of course, some people uh, refuse. You know, my rights and liberty allow me to use my phone in public anytime I want. Uh, and so, you know, the periodic attack, it's, at first it's kind of a light low number but then it starts to increase in frequency and occurrences and uh, uh in trying to track down why this is happening somebody hit on the idea of let's let's test uh, and see like cell phone signals and uh, all the different signals and see if there's a correlation here and they discover there are spikes at all the attacks there are spikes and they start tracing and they start to, uh, to triangulate these spikes and they discover there's an epicenter and when they find the epicenter, they find the room in which this guy had been testing himself. Uh, something about his experiment had actually rendered him in, uh, unconscious into a coma. And his consciousness was essentially merged with the signal from these devices. And that was radiating outward. And his attempt to try to free himself from this and rescue himself was triggering something in these animals to attack humanity. And so they rescue him and they think it's all over but when it's all said and done and the attacks have subsided uh one day the guy gets a cell phone call from his hospital bed and when he picks it up his <clears> eyes <throat> roll back into his head and suddenly it's all started over again and animals start attacking again thus preparing us for the sequel <laughs> uh squirrel attack two, electric squirrel <laughs> galoo <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching and you're wondering why in front of Kevin Tumlinson it says Dave Barons, <laughs> it's because Kevin is playing the part of Dave Barons today. Well, who uh, we're 
We were trying to get him on the show, but he wasn't available. I'm a poor so. man's Dave Barons. <laughs> He's like Kevin. <laughs> That's Kevin's how bad like, your stories were, gentlemen. Kevin's like the Dave Barons understudy today, playing the role of Dave Barons. That's why we'll I had to Kevin go Thomas. a little. I had to step it up a little on my pitch because I can't be pitching Kevin Thomas and stuff. I got to pitch mm. Dave Barons level stuff now. <clears throat> I wouldn't know. I've never been on the show with him. <laughs> uh, all right, so. Here's round two. This is Puff Pass. Uh, I think Didn't we, we break this one last time. We well, we're one. gonna see. We're gonna see. Um, I'm hoping for uh, uh, um, uh, bushy-tailed and bright-eyed, happy, optimistic pitching, energetic pitching instead of the train wreck that was last time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Here's the pitch. <laughs> That's what we're going for, Nick. If, you, if I didn't make that clear, the expectations. Um, okay. An ex-cop sees his neighbor sneaking around, acting suspicious. After a brief sneak. Sneak mission, the ex-cop discovers his neighbor is harboring a terrible secret in his garage. And Nick, you go. You start us off. He eyes eyeballs his way into the, the, the through the windows of the garage and sees that there's um, about four or five <clears throat> large industrial-sized trash cans inside the garage. And uh, in each trash bag has what seems to be like a kind of a, a mesh garden uh, weed blocker type material on top of them, but they are full of something lumpy and they're all sort of squirming and round and, and, and they're just underneath each of these pieces of mesh are just kind of bumping around and, and they're clearly alive, which means Kevin. Uh, so this, I, I didn't quite hear everything Nick said. So stuff is alive underneath. Squirming trash bags full of stuff. Squirming, Squirming trash, bags, trash full of- bags full of stuff. So uh, in investigating this, our hero tears open one of these trash bags and is appalled to discover a collection of writhing, moving, autonomous human limbs past RA. <laughs> so our hero, the cop, uh, is very taken aback by seeing this, but it's not... It's not the first time that he's heard of such a thing. Uh, his grandfather was from the old country. No particular old country, just the old country. <laughs> and they told, uh, they told tales of, of uh, what they called the, the, the Strigoi or the Vampire or the Nosferatu, right? And they have mm. a way that they, uh, they keep people's dismembered bodies alive so the body doesn't uh, begin to decompose because even vampires have expiration dates on things that they eat. So our hero decides this is a vampire. This is what I need to do. He looks over. He sees a hoe in the corner. He breaks the edge off. Now he's got a sharpened stick and he walks up to the garage door with his hand poised to touch it. And then it swings open and Nick's going to tell us what happens. And the edgy ho says, why are you holding me like... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the- <laughs> I was like, he sees Sorry, a I hoe in to- the corner. This is got I was like, I knew I should have said shovel. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. My bad. And that's our, that's our story, ladies and gentlemen. I guess that was Puff Pass. Thanks, guys. <laughs> the end. I mean, what, what a way to end it, right? You- Broke off I made this... 
I already showed this to RA, but I made this new graphic just in case. Just in case. Yeah. I it. It's kind of hard. To, it's a little hard to see, but there's a guy crawling away from the train accident. <laughs> I love the Jim's optimism. <laughs> I don't think we're going to need this one, but I'll make it just in case. <laughs> That's the main feature of that picture is the guy crawling away who's probably dying. Okay. Does anyone have any news? Anything to promote? Anything going yes. on you want to talk about? All right, Kevin, let's I mean, hear it. Um, if you are interested in helping veterans to no longer be homeless, uh, helping homeless veterans to get off the streets, uh, one of the uh, boxes I'm participating in is giving 50% of the pre-orders, uh, the uh, profits from the pre-orders to an organization that has come. It's like Project Lib. I don't remember what the name of the project is anymore, but the box set is uh, Her Silent Shadow. So if you go to bookstoread.com, slash her silent shadow you can pre-order that box set for 99 cents and i have a i have a uh 40, word novella that's a crossover between my two main series in that set but half the proceeds from that pre-order got to help the veterans get off the streets so for the cause. nice that sounds like a worthy charity okay uh anybody else uh i i believe i have a book launch tomorrow it's jake parker number two called the patriot and i am literally buying the domain jakeparkerbooks.com right now so once i do you can go there and find them all uh <laughs> give me like five minutes and it'll be ready to go <laughs> so five minutes from now you can go to jake parker books or if you're watching this in the future at any point in the past mm. yeah well so i'm probably gonna way, break it after the show so you have between about four minutes from now and like 12 minutes from now. I just read uh, Daniel Silva's book, new book, um, The Order. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was not aware of this, but apparently every single thriller author has to have a book named The Order and a book named The Patriot. So mm -hmm. some of us are behind. <laughs> it's true. This is, I thought you knew that, but I mean, sorry. <laughs> this is the first I've heard of this, so I'm going to have to go look at my catalog and see. I'm See writing where I'm, at. Order. I'm really close. I, I might have books named that. I've written a lot of books. It's possible. I might already have those in my catalog. <laughs> All right. <Okay>. So let's, <laughs> anybody else real quick, or are we ready to move on to our third round? All right. Okay. This is message in a bottle. A Bermuda woman walking on a beach with her kids said finding a message in a bottle washed up on shore was a long time dream come true. While I was taking pictures of the trash-filled seaweed, I noticed the bottle sitting there. I jokingly said, I wonder if it's a letter in there. As a geocaching enthusiast, I'm always looking for that special find. Today was our lucky day, Terry Davis said. She uh, had to break the bottle open to get it open and was pleased to discover it contained a letter, a photograph, a postcard, and a set of earplugs. <laughs> okay. okay. So I'll go first. You know what she's I'll doing tonight. Already <laughs> got it. I go. I'll, I'll go first. So uh, what happens is <clears throat> Bermuda is a uh, is like a main island, but there are also like a lot of little you know kind of like ancillary islands um, that people can stay at. There's resorts. Some of them are privately owned. Well, one of the privately owned ones used to have a uh, a married couple. All right, a man and a woman. And it was one of those relationships that was hot and, and, and sorted in the beginning. And then it just kind of, they kind of grew away from each other 
and you know the the thrill is gone, right? BB King style, and um, so the problem is the man one day told the woman, uh, "I want to leave. I don't want to be with you anymore." And the woman didn't take that too well. Uh, she said, uh, "If you leave, it doesn't matter where you go. I'll track you down and I will kill you." And he I went, "Find you." Okay. Well, you know, killing me is a little bit harsh. Um, so I guess I won't leave, right? But deep down, he always harbored this hope that someone would come and free him from the clutches of this woman, right? So he could go on about his life. Well, the problem is she had taken basically everything from him, all the means of communication, you know, anything that you can think of. Uh, there was no way for him to reach the outside world. And day after day, uh, he was growing more and more mad because at night he wasn't getting much sleep, right? He's in a relationship that he doesn't want to be in. The woman uh, uh, would insist on obviously sleeping in the same bed, and she snored like a freight train. So he just couldn't get any sleep. There was just nothing. There's nothing he could do. So he decides one day to write a message in a bottle, right? And the message said that to anyone who finds this letter, if you come to these coordinates, you will find riches beyond your wildest dreams, right? And so he also slid a pair, an extra pair of his earplugs in there. And so his thinking was he throws the bottle in the ocean. Someone finds it. They come to the island. He can pawn them off on the woman and that he can make his escape. She'll still have a man. And he took pity on them and gave them the earplugs so they don't have to listen to her snore. So that's what we're dealing with right here. <laughs> Very nice. I think I might have to award that story the Gitter Dun Burrito of the episode. Oh, mm. the coveted Gitter Dun Burrito. Uh, <laughs> it's my first one. <laughs> it's only the second time it's been given out. So <laughs> uh, I can go next. All right, Kevin, what do you got? You ready for me? I'm calling mm-hmm. this one Canoodle 2. Electric Boogaloo, and uh, sequel time. So she's wandering on this beach, and this bottle pops up, and she cracks it open. And she's been hearing stir- stirrings. She's been avoiding the news for a while, but she every now and then she checks Twitter and sees some weird language on Twitter about things that, that might be happening. Uh, but when she reads this letter and looks at this photograph, she discovers the, uh, the author of it is someone who was uh, part of trying to stop the apocalypse of animals attacking because of this cellular signal uh, that, this, that this researcher inadvertently infected us with. And so she gets the, the letter and reads it, and the, and the person who sent it says, I don't know if uh, anyone's going to survive long enough uh, to do this. Uh, I've, I'm already uh, about to go down. So here is a photograph of a map to where you can actually put a stop to this. I couldn't get to it, but maybe you can. These ear uh, earbuds are actually specially encoded uh, cancellation devices. They're gonna cancel out this signal so that you can actually uh, continue to use a cell phone if you need to, uh, but you know, you're protected, but you're not protected from these creatures attacking you. So just be careful, but get there, stop this, save the world. And so she now becomes our only hope as she pops the ear uh, buds into her ears and uh, fi- starts uh, to set passage to the location 
from the photograph and she gets there just in time to derail uh, or to uh, disable this transmitter that's that's auto rebroadcasting the signal shuts it all down and she she has saved the world but when she steps out and pulls out the earbuds uh suddenly her eyes roll back into her head because a new signal has been born is being rebroadcast and we're set up for the next sequel <laughs> there's gonna be another one we'll look forward to that next week <laughs> thanks kevin all right nick, nick so... Thacker, bring us home what we've got here is a uh, similar to Kevin. It's a classic story of a, of a world saving apocalyptic um, uh, adventure. And she opens this bottle and finds a letter and a photograph. And, you know, at first she's thinking this is just, um, you know, a uh, pretty normal message in a bottle. She starts whistling the, the police tune, you know, it's pretty typical day in the seaweed uh, riddled um, uh, beach. And, um, then she sees the earplugs and she thinks, this is a little strange. I'm not sure what's going on here. So she, you know, joking around with her kids, she takes the earplugs and puts them in her ears and goes, look, I found these earplugs. And suddenly this um, sonic boom pressure wave um, completely busts the eardrums of everybody inside except for her, including her kids. Her kids are like, ah! their ears are bleeding and everything's beautiful. It's a great scene. Um, great opening scene. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was, but we're going to go there. <laughs> From Archer? Oh, <laughs> Do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. Um, and uh, yeah, and so she realizes then with her bleeding-eared children uh, who are now deaf that she's like, okay, well, I, I don't know what just happened, but I, I was just protected by these earplugs. So then she pulls the letter out and it says, we are watching you. You're the only one who can stop it. Your next clue is, and that's it. And she pulls the photograph out and it's just a picture of some iceberg looking thing um, down that looks to be like in the Arctic or the Antarctic circle. Um, and she assumes that must be her next clue. And so she has to go on a world spanning adventure trying to figure out who just de-eared her children and everyone else on the beach and what they're planning on doing next. Dun, dun, dun. Title: Reading Silent dun, dun. Runnings. Bad. <laughs> nice, thank you, Nick. All right, everyone. So that's you know what? That's pretty much our show. I think we're just pretty about much. ready to get out of here. That's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, you know, I would that's like to. All I had to endure this week. <laughs> if you want to talk more, Kevin, if you want to pitch us more stories, you can feel for third rude. sequel lined up. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. So everyone, Vote thank for you for me to watching. Hear the third sequel. If uh, yeah, I, why are you threatening to not come back next week? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> we know my track record. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've got some we've got some votes here. Lisa likes Ra. Lisa also likes Nick in the last round, which is surprising because I thought you two were mortal arch enemies mm. after last week's kerfuffle between Nick and Lisa Badger. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch episode 35. I don't think I know what you're talking about. Nick doesn't watch this really remember. This fake, is like fake this is like four thirty in the morning for Nick. It is. It's actually <laughs> just the this night. is the last time I'm taking the competition seriously. I pitch serious <laughs> good stories. For the last time. I never. So Kevin, you got to go get everybody to vote for you. Go out and get all your go friends. Go to watch and vote for you. 
And that's just a, you know, I mean, the system is rigged. Obviously everyone knows that. All right, everyone. Thanks for watching. Welcome to 2021. It's been a great year so far and we will see Have you fun storming the castle. We'll see you next week. If we still a are a Republic. Bye.